One of the many ways that God is different to us is that God sees everything. He sees everything all the time. Now, he doesn't have eyes like us, though the Bible does use uh, picture language to talk about him having eyes, because there's nothing that he doesn't see or know about. And the first person to realize this in the Bible was a woman called Hagar. And we're going we're gonna to look at a little bit of her story. We're not going to explore it in a huge amount of detail because she had a very complicated life that is not appropriate for an all-age service. But she was having such a bad time that she ran away from where she lived. She was sad and she was lonely. She had a really difficult past behind her and she had a very uncertain future ahead of her. And then we read in Genesis 16 what happened to her next. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where, are you come, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I'm fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael because God has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are a God of seeing. For she said, Truly here I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore the well was called Be'er Lahai Roy. It lies between Kadesh and Bered. This is God's word. Why don't we pray that he would help us see wonderful things in it today. Lord, we do believe that you open our eyes. And we do believe that you show us wonderful things about yourself and the world and our lives. And we ask that you would do that right now. Amen. Amen. If this is the first time you've come to King's today, you're so welcome. We're so glad you're here. If I start chatting to you afterwards, I'm almost certainly going to ask you what your name is and a little bit about your life. I'm not going to know those things beforehand unless you're particularly famous. And and, I mean, if you're a master, there might be someone famous here today, but I don't think there are. And that's what we do when we meet someone we don't know. We say, oh, hello, what's your name? And, you know, what are you doing uh, with your life? Because we don't know those things. But when God met Hagar, he didn't say, oh, who are you? He knew exactly who she was. He says to her, Hagar, servant of Sarai. He does say to her, where have you come from and where are you going? But we soon find out that this isn't a request for information. This is an opportunity for her to tell him just what's going on and what she's feeling about it. It's a really interesting moment because this is a woman who wasn't part of the people of God and whose relationships were very complicated and she's sitting at a well and she has an encounter with the true God who knows everything about her. Now, if you know any stories of Jesus, does this sound at all familiar? A woman who's got some complicated relationship history and hasn't been very well treated by the men in her life is sitting by a well and God comes and tells her everything about her. It's Jesus and the Samaritan woman, isn't it? It's the same kind of thing happening. Because although Hagar had a very special experience with God, God wasn't able just to see what was going on in her life. God knows everything about everyone's life. 
Hagar said, you are a God of seeing. And the Samaritan woman said about Jesus, come and see a man who told me all I ever did. So, what does God do with this ability of his to see everything and everyone? What is he, as it were, looking to do? We're going to just see three things really quickly uh, from this story. What is God looking to do with this amazing sight that he has? The first thing he's looking to do is he's looking to bless her. God loves doing us good. God loved doing Hagar good. She says that God is him who looks after me. That's her assessment of what's just happened. It's like, wow, God looks after me. He gave her a promise that her child would be a man of significance. And that was complicated, but it was a good thing for her. He gave her the privilege of seeing him. She's one of the very few people who have seen God. And then he gave her the gift of being the only person in the Bible who gives God a name. It's really, really special. 2 Chronicles 16 verse 9 tells us that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards him. Now we use our eyes to do all sorts of things and some of them are really good and some of them are a bit more selfish. God uses his eyes to find people who need his strength and support and comfort and help. So he is looking to bless us. Now he's also looking, second thing, is he's looking to challenge us. So as well as doing Hagar good, God also said something to her that she probably didn't want to hear. He says to her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. I don't think she really wanted to hear that. Now I think what most of us don't want to hear is that God sees everything we do and everything we think. Most of us don't want that to be the case. We would like to give him some of the highlights. We'd like to give him the best bits and then pretend the rest of it didn't happen. But Hebrews 4.13 says that no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And so we're like Adam and Eve back at the, right at the beginning of the story, aren't we? The moment they realise that God might see them, they want to hide. But we can't hide from God. He sees it all. All the work that we put into our appearance, everything we do to kind of display a certain picture of ourselves to everyone else, the way that we want to be seen, what we want people to think about us, you might have convinced the whole world, but that means nothing to God because he sees who you really are. Many of us, when we're going to do something wrong, we want to hide. We don't want other people to see it, so we go away somewhere secret. Or at least we go where no one who's there is going to say, what are you doing? But God is there. And God sees. Even this morning, if you're following our Bible reading plan, Psalm 94, there's all these people saying, God doesn't see. And the psalmist is like, yes, he does. This is a serious warning to each of us. But there's nothing we do that is hidden from his sight. The third thing God wants to do is that he is looking to comfort us. Now, this sounds a little bit like the first point, and it is a bit like the first point. But what I want you to feel is that first to last, from the beginning to the end, God wants to do you good. And he's going to do that in all sorts of different ways, as well as feeling that challenge in the middle of knowing that he knows us and everything about us. 
And Hagar's response, she's given this command, she's told to do something she doesn't necessarily want to do, but she doesn't get resentful. She isn't like, I can't believe he's told me to do this. She's amazed. She's amazed that God has shown her this goodness, that he has seen her and shown himself to her, gives her great peace. It fills her with joy. She's really excited. She names the place where this happened, the well of the living one who sees me. She said, this is the most important thing that's ever happened in my life. I want people to remember it. I want people to celebrate it. Her situation hasn't changed, but she has been changed because she realized that God has seen her and that he cares for her. This is true for us even if we've been doing wrong, even if we want God not to see what we've done. Jesus told a story about God's love and forgiveness, and it was about a son who massively disobeyed his father, got in all sorts of trouble, and eventually came to his senses and returned home. And Jesus says about him that when that son was still a long way off, his father saw him. His father was looking for him. He saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced his son and kissed him. This is how the God who has seen everything you've ever done or ever thought responds when he sees you coming back to him. This is what he's like. Maybe your situation is a bit more like Hagar's. It was great to be prayed for, but you're dreading going back to school this week. Or maybe, you know, you, you, you are returning to work or you're in that process or simply just where you're living right now and you feel stuck there. And for whatever reason, you think, I just don't want to be there. <coughs> if you are a follower of Jesus, you need to know that God sees you where you are. He sees you in that hard place. He sees what it's like for you to be there and he knows and he cares, and he's with you. You are not alone. When Jesus taught us about giving and praying and fasting, he said three times that your father who sees in secret will reward you. We can apply this to everything we try to do for God. And no real comfort. Because this is our deepest need. This is the most important thing for a human being, is to be known is to be seen. And we know this is the case because we just look at everyone around us and they all want to be known. They want to be seen. If you've ever spent time on social media and you want to summarise it in one phrase, I would go for something like this. Look at me. Please look at me. Please, you know, notice me. Help me to feel like I matter. Why do people do that with complete strangers who don't know anything about them? It's because they were made to be seen by God. And because they don't know that he sees them, they're just going crazy all over the place, trying to get someone to give them some attention. Christians should not feel like that. We certainly shouldn't act like that. And if we've got children that we're caring for, we shouldn't encourage them in that either. Because we have a God who sees us. There is no need to pretend. There's no need to perform. He is looking to bless us when we turn our eyes to him. So let's live this week knowing that his eyes are on us. That is, I find, simultaneously very encouraging and very scary. Yeah, we feel both those things. He's going to see everything you do this week. Let's be aware of it. (coughs) 
it should scare us. There should be a sense of, right, I need to stop doing some things I've been doing. Because he sees it. But it should also give us great comfort to know that he's with us. That he sees and knows and cares. And he's going to give us the peace and joy that Hagar experienced every day, even when we close our eyes. So we're going to sing some more songs to him. We're going to praise him some more because he's so good. Uh, Phil in the band, if you want to jump up, and I'm just going to lead us quickly in prayer as they do that. It's a funny thing we do when we pray, isn't it? We usually close our eyes, and it's to help us concentrate, I guess. Lord, we pray, we ask you for eyes that will see you. Lord, you see us. You see the bits we don't want you to see. We see the bits that are okay. You see when we're alone and scared and confused. You see when we do things for you that no one else sees. You see those moments of prayer, those moments of obedience, those moments of service, those moments of trust that no one else sees. God, by his Holy Spirit, just really wants to impress that upon you right now. There's some of you, you're like, no one knows I do this. And yes, God knows. He sees you. He loves you for it. Just receive right now his blessing and his comfort. We thank you, God, that you see us. Help us to see you. Amen.